Fantastic. Well, thank you, uh, John and Jacinta, for telling us all about Focus. Um, it was actually 2019 when the last Focus happened. And Laura and I had been, as we said on that video, we'd been in the US for just a couple of months. We didn't know anybody, but we, we so, so enjoyed hearing God's voice and connecting with him. Um, but the massive highlight for us of the weekend was in the very last session, we packed up our bags and a guest speaker arrived, someone we'd never heard of. We didn't get a chance to meet him before um, the service, but he was a guy called Sean Bowles, as I said in that video. And uh, we sat in this meeting as he, spoke beautifully about hearing God's voice. And then at the end, he said, as I was driving here, I felt like the Lord gave me a couple of names of people who might be here. And I wanted to play you the recording of what happened next, because it was kind of amazing. Names, I'm just going to try this. I, I felt like there might be a Benjamin and a Laura or Lori. Does that make sense to anybody? Is that you guys? Well, hi. I looked at- Where are you from? Why? You guys are just good at attracting <laughs> UK people. It's great to actually be here. Do you live in LA? Oh, good. So you're new here. Um, I just had your name, so I'm trying. I'm waiting on Holy Spirit now because I just all I had was there would be you guys. So um, I'm so glad you're real. Uh, you know, I, I will say this is just someone in L.A. Thank you for risking to come here and plant here. And I feel like God's showing me that uh, you could have done a lot of things and you chose to hear. You chose to listen to God who's honoring that place of voice today. And I feel like uh, not only did you come to hear, but you came to help plant. And there's a multiplication on vintage. And you guys came to help plant something. Is that true? And um, I keep seeing our area. We're in Glendale, Pasadena area. Is there something over there? Pasadena? So... I feel like God's saying that he's, like, you need a word like this, not because you don't believe, because you already believe, but he wants to give the word to the community that he sent you, and that there's an expansion going on over Vintage, and that there's team. And uh, the encouraging thing for you guys as a movement is that God's sending people and transferring their full equity of all their history in God to you. Like, these guys have paid a price, and they've grown in things that you didn't have to raise that up, that you're getting really mature mothers and fathers. And I just felt like God said to welcome you in as a mother and a father. And to the city, not just to vintage, but to the city. And I feel like the Lord is saying that over the next, and this is the prophecy part, over the next six months, that you're going to meet a lot of owners of stores and specifically restaurants. I feel like you're going to be out in the community. You're going to meet, you'll be there the days the owners are there. And you're going to just, it'll be a sign to you that God's actually planted you here to be a voice to fathers and mothers and influencers in the region of Pasadena and around Altadena, Glendale, that there's going to be something about a positional authority to understand the business community that's there and to be able to relate to them. And then I also felt like this would affect, I believe you have maybe a son and a daughter, and that this would affect their lives as well, that there's something that, because you made this choice, they need to just see the fruit of this kind of choice because it's such a radical choice to move here. They needed to see it, they're pretty young, and they need to see at a young age that, like the fruit of faith. And this is gonna, you, you need to know that the root you put into your children's life by saying yes to God in this season will be with them forever in their own faith journey. So bless you guys, bless you. That's pretty wild, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we're in this series thinking about what the church is for. And today I wanna embark on a little journey through a word called encounter. What does it mean 
that the church is a place where we are supposed to encounter God, encounter his love, encounter his power, his goodness, not only in spectacular, crazy, incredible ways that I'd never experienced before, but, but also in the small things, in the mundane things. What does it mean that the church is a place to encounter God? Well, in order to, to start that, I think, I think we need to understand, firstly, the kind of God who might encounter people. And one thing I've come to love so deeply about God is that God is a deeply relational God. You know that? You look through the Bible, you start with Adam and Eve, like Adam hanging out with God, walking in the garden. Think about the wandering nomad called Abraham who meets God sitting by his tent. Joseph in dreams, Moses at a burning bush, Gideon through a fleece, Samuel when he's a little boy, the prophets. There are just these encounters over and over again where people meet God. And sometimes these encounters seem almost like passing. They're, they're, they're so casual. Other times, though, they're incredibly dramatic. There's this moment where, where God meets Moses at the burning bush. And as Moses approaches the burning bush, God says to him, dude, like, take your shoes off. Because this is holy ground. When Isaiah, who's a prophet in the Old Testament, when he gets just a glimpse of God, this is what he ends up saying. He says, woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined from a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, like on one hand, God is like this deeply personal God, almost like a good shepherd or a good father, loving, caring for his children or his sheep. And on the other hand, you see this incredible holiness that's so other, that's so immense that it causes people to like almost fear God, not out of worry for what he's doing, but out of incredible reverence for his holiness. You see it in the early church as well. When Jesus comes to earth and then the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, one thing that marks the early church aside is that it is full of God's power. It has access to God's voice. It experiences his presence. When the early Greek cultures and the Roman cultures looked at the early church, they could make no sense of it whatsoever because they were like, this doesn't look like a religion. You know, in a religion, you're supposed to have these deity figures and they're supposed to be out there somewhere and you're supposed to kind of like try and impress them by the way that you behave. But you guys, you guys talk about a relationship with God. You talk about the fact that he can speak to you. Like, what is that? Well, of course, that's exactly what it is to follow Jesus. It's out of that place, I think, that, that, that we get to the word encounter. Because an encounter with God is to get a glimpse of who he is. It's those kind of moments when we move from knowing about a God to knowing him personally. It's the same way we do that with human relationships, too. You know, when I was a kid, um, my, my all-time favorite band was a band called Delirious. Anyone ever heard of Delirious? Yes, come on. Um, like they were, in my view, just slightly below the Holy Spirit in order and significance. No, it was amazing. Like I loved Delirious. I knew everything about them. Their lead singer was a guy called Martin Smith. Like I had every album. I knew every word of every song. I knew the names of their kids. I knew who they were married to. Like I knew everything. The only problem was that I lived on the other side of the world to them, which means I pretty much never, ever got to see them. I didn't know them for sure. They had no idea who I was. Just occasionally I'd go in a massive room full of thousands of people if I was in the right country, and I'd stand at the back in awe as they stood on the stage doing amazing things. But a couple of years ago, I was speaking at an event, and um, 
I, I didn't know at the time when I agreed to speak, but I found out later on that there was this guy called Martin Smith who was leading worship. Like the lead singer was the worship leader. And, and so sure enough, I arrived at the event and he was there. I mean, I, I, I t- tried really hard not to lose it and look like deeply embarrassing in the place because I actually knew everything about him. But like over the course of the morning, I, like, I got to give him a hug and I got to like hang out with him and, and ask about his family and I got to talk to him. Like I went from knowing about him, knowing a lot about him, <laughs> to knowing him personally. And that's exactly what it's like when we encounter God. Here at Vintage, we talk about intimacy with God. And we're not talking about something weird and romantic. We're talking, though, about this sense of connection from a God who is somewhere out there somewhere to a God who's personal who is here, who we can know and hear, who we can feel and, and almost touch. And it's an amazing thing when you, when you make that leap in your faith from one of those to the other. When I was about, um, about 15, I was back in, back in the school holidays and I was back in England um, after being in Hong Kong and, and we didn't have anything to do. And some family members said, hey, you know, do you want to come to this big church gathering thing? It's, it's called Soul Survivor. And I said, I don't know what a soul survivor is, but um, maybe you could tell me. And they were like, yeah, well, it's basically you get a tent in a muddy field and, and you camp there and you go to these big church meetings in big like cattle sheds. And I thought that sounds awful. Like I can't think of anything worse, but I was like, well, I haven't got anything else to do. So sure enough, my, my little brother and I, we, we went along to that first soul survivor gathering and we pinched our tent in the mud, sure enough, and we walked down to this big cattle shed and we were, we were a bit late for the first meeting. And our, our friends, family members had ditched us, so it was just us. And we opened the door of this cattle shed and walked into this room, and my jaw like, just like, nearly hit the floor. Because on, on one hand, it was like there were 10,000 young people all just singing and worshipping God, and there was this little dude at the other end called Matt Redmond who was on a stage with a guitar, and, and I'd never seen anything like it. But what was vastly more impactful was not just that they were, there was all those people singing, but it was because there was something of God in that place. Like I had no vocabulary for it. I had no theology for it. No one ever told me what that was like. But, but as we walked into the room, there was this like heaviness of the presence. There was this peace, this love in, in the room. I, I knew it was something special because as the song finished, 10,000 young people on the first night of their camp went silent. Like didn't, didn't even move a muscle. I was like, man, I've never seen that happen. That happened before because they stood and together like we encountered God's love. Now, over the course of the week, there were these moments when we'd, we'd laugh, these other moments when tears would come, moments when we just want to lie or kneel on the floor. We watched as, as God healed people, as He changed people's lives, as He set people free from things. It was just overwhelming to see as people encountered God. And actually, if I think about the rest of my life, so much of the rest of my life has been this yearning, this desire to see God move, to encounter him again in the big places and the small places, the noisy places and the quiet ones. You know, I fell in love with Jesus that week and I'm still in love with him, you know, today. And there's something about encounter that we we realize that is something that God deeply values and loves too. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Encountering God is to, to know 
and to be known. And don't we all long for that deep down? We want to be a people who are known, who are accepted, who are safe. And we find in encountering God that there's actually no greater place of love. There's no greater place of acceptance. There's no greater place of safety than in his presence. It's amazing that Jesus says to us, come, come. You know, religion is, is so famous for being all about, you know, try to be good enough. Try to climb high enough, do enough religious things, and then maybe God might one day just tolerate your presence and let you into where he lives. Well, Jesus is nothing like that. Jesus says, come, come to me all who are weary, who are heavy laden. You see, through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living and working in us, we are invited to draw near to God. And I don't know how that feels to you. Maybe this morning, like some of you are just exploring church for the first time and you're like, that sounds like beyond everything, anything I've ever heard of before. But it's an astonishing thing that there's nothing we could do to make God love us less and nothing we could do to make God love us more. It's because of his work through the cross that he says to us, just come, come to me. But how do we do it? How do we like encounter God. And the first thing I need to say is that we can encounter God in many, many different ways. God loves to encounter us in all of the different ways that we can imagine. Why? Well, because we're all different. You know, I've been married to Laura for 15 years and we've known each other for 20 years now nearly. And you know, we have a marriage and a relationship that's very unique you know, it's made up of all of her goodness and kindness and gentleness and love and beauty and all the things I don't have, basically. But it's like, you know, our relationship is like no other relationship because it's made up of the two of us interacting together. Her relationship with our kids is different from my relationship with her kids because we're different. We have different personalities, different things that we like. And to encounter God is also to recognize that he will encounter us differently based on who we are. You know, some of us, like, we're about truth. You know, we're like the, on the Myers-Briggs, we're the STJ type guys. You know, we're like, we're about truth and fact and solidity and black and white. You know, we like those things about God and we meet him in those kind of ways. Others of us, like we're creatives. We like feelings. We like color. We like beauty. We like goodness. And God will meet all of us in different ways, not because he changes, but because he meets us where we're at. It also means that there's always more to discover of him than we've yet to discover. But there are particular ways I think that God does regularly meet people. And the first one is, is very obvious. It's, it's scripture. God meets us in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in, in righteousness. At the very most fundamental level, like the Bible tells us who God is, what he's like, what he likes, who he's not, the kind of things that he's done before, the kind of things that he's about today. The Bible tells us that. But, but the Bible also operates on a whole extra level that sometimes we can miss because the Bible isn't just like the once word of God. It's not just history or even a manual for life. It's actually the rhema word. It's the now word. It's the living word. 
that when we read the Bible, we expect that actually God will encounter us today. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you've opened the Bible and suddenly something's just leapt, leapt at you. Something's just leapt off the pages and hit you between the eyes. It's an amazing thing. We were, we were here on this stage uh, last March. It didn't look anything like this. It was very dirty. There was no carpet. Like We were in the middle of the building renovations. And a group of us from church were just gathering to pray for this new phase of Vintage's life. We were praying that God would do things. And, and as we were praying, I just, just had these like three words came into, into my mind. Um, they were the words, these dry bones. And I, and I remembered, I was like, hold on, that's a, that's a Bible verse. Remember that from seminary. And so I, I looked it up. I looked it up on my Bible. And sure enough, it's Ezekiel 37. And as we stood in a circle, I just started to read these words from Ezekiel 37, and they hit me like a train. I literally burst into tears in front of everyone. I'm an English guy that's deeply embarrassing to me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't do crying if I can help it. But, but yet, as I read these words, it said things like this, the hand of the Lord is on me. He's brought me by the Spirit. Speak life to these dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord that I will make breath enter you. You will come back to life. Speak life to death. And as I heard it, I realized it wasn't just a historical truth. It wasn't even a prophecy for the church. It was actually for me. That God was speaking to me and to us about what vintage was to be in this place. About the ministry we would bring life into dead places, to dead buildings. We would bring something of the kingdom to bear. Now, we expect that God can speak through the Bible to us. You know, on a more mundane level, every week in our community groups, we ask this question. We say, as we read this passage, what did the Lord highlight for you? Because we think that as we read the Bible together, God will speak. There'll be a word, there'll be a phrase, there'll be a concept, there'll be something where God wants to highlight and speak to us. I think sadly as charismatics we can we can almost overlook the Bible because we'd prefer a picture of a waterfall or something like that when the Bible is this primary place that God speaks. The second place um, where God speaks powerfully is in worship. And I'm not going to recap um, Jacinta's amazing sermon from last week. If you haven't heard it yet, get it on the YouTube channel or podcast. It was amazing. But there's something in worship where we come before God and we say, God, as we've just done this morning, God, we love you. God, we think you're incredible. God, you're so good. God, you've done such good things. You're, you are so fantastic. When we do that, whether we do it in song or creativity or words or we do it with prayers, amazingly, God just doesn't, he doesn't stand at the back and go, yeah, not bad, Ben little bit out of tune, but you know, it was a good song. I liked it. You know, God doesn't do that. As we draw near to God, what happens is amazingly, God draws near to us. Like as we sing, God, you're amazing. God, you're fantastic. God, we love you. As we get on our knees before God, amazingly, God comes to us and embraces us. And he says, my child, I love you. I love you. I'm here for you. I've got some things I want to do with you this morning. As we give God of our time, God gives of us his time as well. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible speaks to this in Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior he saves. 
he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. It's not just that we sing to God. God sings over us songs of love. And it's not just singing. I think, I think it can come in so many different ways. You know, after I, I went to that first Soul Survivor, I thought, I thought I'd pretty much worked out how, how worship and encounter worked. I came away thinking, like, what you need is a guitar, a bass, drums, and ideally a keyboard, and you need at least three songs in a particular order. And if you do that, then God will encounter people. That was basically my logic. When I was beginning to get ready to think about being an ordained pastor, my church denomination said to me, like, Ben, you need a better understanding of worship than that. You, know, you need a little bit more breadth in, in what you need. So they, they sent me um, to an abbey once a month for a year. I had to take a day off work. And if you can picture an abbey like a monastery and all these monks living there in silence, big guys in these big like dresses, effectively. And I used to go and I would sit in silence with these monks. I thought it was the worst thing in my life. I was like, it's dark, it's cold, the food's not very good. Like, what am I doing? And then I realized, oh, well, you have to go to these like three times a day. They have these church services. And I thought, wow, at least there'll be some like singing or something like there. So I went along to these services and there was not any singing. I mean, there was no musical instruments. There wasn't even an organ. There was just literally nothing. And the church service started and the service basically comprised of the monks reading the Psalms just over and over again, speaking words of truth and liturgy. And at first I was like, I can't believe I have to do this until I looked around and I realized that God was moving powerfully and people were quietly just encountering the love of God in that place. It was a bit similar to one of my first ever jobs, which was um, after I got ordained, was to look after a, one of the, a bunch of churches, but one of them was a thousand-year-old church. And if you've got a picture of it here, it's called Winchfield. There it is. Looks like something out of a movie. It's all Downton Abbey, I think. <laughs> and I was like the pastor of this little church in the countryside. And they didn't have guitars either. Couldn't believe it. I actually took, I took a guitar of the first and probably last person ever who will take a guitar into that church. And, but every week I would come in my robes and all these lovely, wonderful lords and ladies and people would come and they would kneel at the communion rail and they would say these beautiful 500-year-old words about who God is and they would receive the bread and the wine. And we together encountered the Lord in profound ways. I was not prepared for it. God can meet us in so many different ways. Here at Vintage, we talk about, you know, not just having worship and then having a service. But actually, we talk about this as a worship service. Like our expectation is that when we come to church, we're going to meet God at a coffee in the lobby. We're going to meet God as we come into the sanctuary. We're going to meet him when we sing. We're going to meet him when we kneel in prayer. We're going to meet him in communion. We're going to meet him in the word because God wants to meet us everywhere. I don't know if we'll ever meet him in the announcements. I'm not sure. But, but God wants to meet us. And he longs to do it in worship. But I think there's a third place that God meets us often. And that's even outside of those two places, which is one-on-one. -on -one directly. There are times when God just wants to meet us where we are. Now, I think in our worldly view, this is kind of what we think it looks like when God meets someone. Here's a little clip.
thou hast forsaken my church. Well, kind of, but... But what? I'm not a bad guy. I work hard and I love my kids. So why should I spend half my Sunday hearing about how I'm going to hell? <laughs> That's not a theological point, but anyway. <laughs> the truth is that actually when God encounters people, it's often so much more subtle and it's so much more gentle than The Simpsons. <laughs> There's this amazing encounter in, in Mark's gospel, Mark 6, 48 where Jesus encounters his disciples. He sends them out to row across the lake in the middle of the night. Lake Galilee is huge. And it says that the wind is against them and they're rowing hard all night until early in the morning, amazingly, it says, shortly before dawn, he, Jesus, went out to them walking on the lake. I mean, just get your mind around that for a minute. And it says he walked out to the boat on the lake and then, amazingly, it says... And he was about to pass them by. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like walking out on a lake and they're all rowing away and he's just like wandering past and he's like, hey guys, nice rowing. And, just, and he just, and he just walked, walked straight past them. <laughs> What's that about? Well, you see something similar in Luke 24. It says as on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus is resurrected, he walks with these two people for hours and hours and they don't even recognize who he is and then it says at the end Jesus continued on as if going a little further like bye guys I'll see you later like what's all that about that we think that that God must be the kind of God who shouts or has a big finger and wears robes like in, in that Simpsons clip that because God is powerful he must be like a human authority figure who is the most loud and vocal person in the room but yet God speaks so differently from that there's an amazing encounter in 1 Kings 19. And there's, there's this prophet called Elijah, and Elijah's having a really hard time. He's really deeply depressed and suicidal, and he's crying out, and he's saying, God, I need to speak to you. And God says to him, okay, mate, come, come up on Mount Horeb, which is where, another word for Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. And so Elijah, he climbs up to the top of this mountain. It says this huge earthquake came, and then the winds come, and then this fire comes. It says the Lord was not in any of those things. But then it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And the Lord said to him, hey, mate, what's going on with you? It's a slight paraphrase. But the Lord, we think God must meet us in fireworks and thunder when actually so often God isn't the noisy, extroverted, loudest person in the room. He's gentle and he's quiet and he's there to whisper to us. I think one of the reasons God does whisper to us because you know when you whisper to someone, the other person has to lean in to hear. There's something about the way that the Lord speaks to us in a small voice. As Emily Dickinson, the poet, says, truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the Lord, he, he longs to meet with us, but he loves to be welcomed in. He, he's not pushy. He, just, he, he loves to be that good father to us, to be that shepherd to the, to the sheep. So often when he speaks, it isn't earthquakes and fire. I could tell you so many stories about how it's feelings and nudges and pictures 
and words out of Bible verses and just this intuition which so quickly we can miss but how God just longs to, to, to meet with us. And now sometimes when, when he does, we'll feel it. We'll feel it. Like, like me and my first trip to Soul Survivor, like you can, you can sometimes sense God's presence in a place where it almost feels like a weight. It almost feels like you're near an, an electricity source because in your, your hands you can feel something going on or in your body you can feel something going on. Sometimes it can be tears. Sometimes it can be laughter. Sometimes it can be just an overwhelming sense to, to, to lie down and to encounter God that way. I remember a couple of weeks back, we, we had Kingdom Come here. I don't know how many of you came to Kingdom Come. It was amazing. And we, we were gathered in a big circle worshiping the Lord. And as we were worshiping, I had my eyes closed and I was just singing these songs. And I, and I, I just felt someone put their hand on my shoulder and my response was, wow, what an amazing prayer team we have. You know, we, they pray for their pastor, even as he's worshiping in the kingdom come. What a, what a bunch. And so for a couple of minutes, I just kept worshiping like the Lord like this. And, and I thought, I wonder which of the amazing prayer team it is. Who is the most saintly and holy? Who is, who is this person? And so I turned around and there's nobody there. There's nobody there. But I could feel it, like, like a proper hand on the shoulder. And I just sense, I just felt the Lord say, like, Ben, I, I just want you to know I'm here. I'm just here. I just got my hand on you. I just want you to know I'm right behind you. You know, sometimes we can feel it. And it can feel almost scary because it, we see people crying or laughing or doing all sorts of weird things. As Daryl Brock says, the initial encounter with the Lord or, or his messenger can frighten those who experience it. But the grace of the Lord is such that the fear is quickly removed as an obstacle because God wishes to interact with his creation. And sometimes we will feel it. But let me also say this. Sometimes we won't feel it. Sometimes we will not feel anything. You know, after I went to that first Soul Survivor, I went back to Hong Kong to all my school friends and my youth group friends, and I said to them, guys, we're all going to London next year. We're going to this thing called Soul Survivor. And they said, well, what's a Soul Survivor? And I said, you camp in a muddy field in your tent, and you go to a meeting in a cattle shed. And they went, we don't want to go. And I said, no, no, you should come. And so they came. And I remember walking in that second year, and I was like, okay, God, we've come from Hong Kong for you. Here we are. Hit us. And I stood there, and nothing. Nothing. When in fact, nothing for me, for them, they all cried and laughed and met with God. And I just stood there and thought, God, what's gone wrong? And I started to like overanalyze it. You know, like, okay, my gosh, maybe it's me. You know, maybe, maybe I haven't eaten the right things today. Or maybe I'm a little bit tired. Maybe it's them. Maybe they're singing the songs in the wrong order. You know, or maybe, maybe I haven't confessed my secret sins in the right order before the Lord, so he doesn't want to talk to me today. Like, I just kept going round and round and round until I got really angry. I'm like, God, I came for Hong Kong for this. Where are you? And I realized a little bit later on, well, it's because God was right there. And it's not about the feelings. It's not about the feelings. When God meets someone... It's about transformation. It's about transformation and not emotion. You know, one of the, the most overlooked passages that we, and I say we, charismatics, that's me, um, we, we, get, we miss this, this verse all the time, is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Now, I think if we as charismatics would like to write this, we'd say the fruit of the Spirit is 
the gift of tongues, followed by the gift of prophecy, followed by jumping up and down, followed by crying and shaking. They would be like our things, I think. But it doesn't say that. The outcome of when God meets someone, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes those things can arrive to us through tears and laughter and demonstrative things. Other times, just so very, very quietly. April 9, um, 1906, a, a black pastor here in L.A., William Seymour, started preaching in this very modest building that is now in Little Tokyo, or the, the sites in Little Tokyo. And people flocked from all over to encounter the Holy Spirit at the Assisa Street Revivals. And there were massive moments of encounter and Holy Spirit stuff going on. But if you look in historically at it, the most profound thing that happened in the Azusa Street Revival was not all the big demonstrative things. It's that as people encountered God, they heard a call to go to a certain part of the world. And they took the gospel literally to the far corners of the world. Today on the earth, there are about 500 million Pentecostals who chart their history, their spiritual history, to that little building in downtown L.A., the important thing was not that they felt emotional about stuff or that they felt like demonstratively like they needed to do stuff. The important thing is that they were transformed and that they went out. As John Stott said, he definitely wouldn't have called himself a charismatic. For we too can and we must experience a personal encounter with Jesus. Surrender to him in penitence and faith and receive his summons to service. See, when God meets us, it does it for a reason because he wants to do something with us. Whether it's healing, whether it's setting us free for something, whether it's embarking us on a new adventure, God wants to meet with us. See, when we encounter God, not only do we get a greater revelation of who he is, but often we get a greater revelation of who we are and of how God wants to change us and set us free and send us on adventures. I know for some of us, like, this is all very natural. We're like, yes, I'm all about this. And for others of us, this is like, this is just weird. And we're not into all this kind of encounter stuff. But God longs to meet with us in the most naturally of supernatural ways. And then fourthly, God, God longs to meet with us not only in, in the Bible, in worship or directly, but like what we're talking about today, which is that God longs to meet with us together together when we gather. Now, I'm, I'm not discounting Moses and Paul and the places where God meets us one-on-one, -on -one, but there is something about gathering. When we gather as human beings, when we gather as a church, God's presence, two or more gather, his presence is here. As Andrew Wilson says, we are sons and daughters of a loving father who wants a relationship with his children. We are the temple in which he lives and makes himself known. We're the sheep of our great shepherd and the sheep knows their master's voice. We're a body in which people prophesy, speak words of wisdom and knowledge and use other spiritual gifts to edify each other. We are those to whom God has spoken in these last days through his son. We may get ourselves in a muddle and silliness sometimes, but as Christians, we are those who hear the voice of God. That's how we came to follow Jesus in the first place. Something about being a church where this is the ecosystem, where it's the environment, where it's the garden by which we are invited in to meet with God. And so if that's true, let me just finish by giving you four 
four ways that I think God can really profoundly meet us as we come. And if you want to go deeper with God this year, these are maybe some things you could just jot down to help you along the way. The first is this, come ready. Come ready. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always a battle. Before I was a pastor, every going to church was a battle, going to a conference was a battle. Any sort of Christian gathering was always a battle to get there in the first place. At first, I thought it was just me, and then I realized that, no, it's a spiritual battle. It really is a battle to come to God because the devil does not want us to come before him. He'd much rather us stay in our own spaces. But the battle goes beyond just arriving physically. It goes to, like, arriving emotionally and arriving spiritually. Now, how easy is it for us to arrive in a church or a Christian conference or something and, you know, we drop off our kids at the group and we've had a long week and we're full of, like, anxiety and stuff going around our mind because of what we've got to do on Sunday and Monday. And before we know it, you know, the service has started and everyone's doing their stuff and then it's halfway through the service and we're just still thinking about lunch and, and then the service is finished and you're like, oh, something happened there this morning, but I've missed it. You know, because God is so quiet, because he doesn't come like a booming voice. There is something about our need to come quietly and gently and ready to meet him. Mike Bickle, who started the International House of Prayer, he said, the gifts that often begin as the still small voice of God or as a subtle impression of the spirit to our spirit. It can be so subtle that many don't even value it. Thus they ignore it as they wait for an open vision. As they understand and value God's still small voice to them, they will be attentive to it. Rick Warren says, we often miss hearing God's voice simply because we're not paying attention. So come ready, come hungry. Secondly, come repentant. I, I said about this a couple of weeks ago, but if you look at every great move of the Holy Spirit in history, every single one, including what's been happening at Asbury these last couple of weeks, starts out of a place of humility and repentance. Why? Because God isn't actually your mate. God isn't actually your, Jesus is my girlfriend. Like, Jesus is none of those things. He's your savior. He is almighty. He's holy. And so the correct approach to God doesn't come with some sort of like flippance. It comes with repentance and on our knees. Because as we come, we realize who he is. And we also realize our own need for healing and salvation. Come repentant. Thirdly, come open. Come open. I said a few minutes ago, I think we often have one way that we're like, God meets me that way. You know, the three guitar songs and then God's spirit comes or the communion and then God's spirit comes or my Bible and then God's spirit will come. Whatever it is, we can so quickly put God into a box. But I believe that the beauty of the church is it's this community where together we get to encounter more, more. So whatever your tradition that you grew up with or no tradition, like whatever your preference is, that there's more than you've yet to see of who God is. There's always room to see more of God's character. Maybe this Lent, you know, you might want to step outside of your box. If you're a word guy, maybe you want to come to a worship or encounter night we've got in a few weeks' time. Maybe this Lent you want to fast and pray. You've never done that before. Maybe you want to take up a daily Bible reading. There's so many things. But come open. But also some of the openness is, is also a realization that we need each other to interpret and to recognize what it is that we're encountering. When, when Paul is speaking to the one in the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, he says to them, he says to them, for now, in, we know in part, 
and we prophesy in part. What it's basically saying to the church is like, you are all about encountering God and that's fantastic. But you just need to know that because you live on earth, what you see of God is a little bit like glass darkly, as the old English translation says. It's not, it's not complete. You're on earth, God, God is in heaven. When we, we, we feel like we're encountering God, sometimes we'll get it bang on. And other times we won't. Sometimes we'll, we'll miss that God was speaking altogether and we need somebody else next to us to go, hey, Ben, do you know that God just spoke to you? And you're like, oh, sorry, did he? I, I was busy. Other times we'll think, God, I've just met with you, God. And we'll need somebody near us to go, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Or maybe you had some cheese last night. <laughs> Whatever it is, we need each other because it's that way that we, we weigh and we test, as 1 Corinthians 14 says. We hold fast to what is good, but we also realize that we might not always be right. You know, I think one of the reasons that things like prophecy got such a bad name in the pandemic was because like suddenly we were all locked down and prophets were on the internet and they were doing all their own things in their own spaces and prophecy went a little bit weird for a while. And I think part of the reason it did is because well, we lost the community. We lost the accountability. We lost the places where somebody was able to say, I don't think that's actually from the Lord, is it? We need each other, being a family, being a community that's on a mission together to know more of who God is. And sometimes it will be spectacular. Sometimes it will be life-transforming in the moment. And other times it will just be the the slow, long journey in the same direction for transformation. Sometimes in my life I've encountered God just overwhelmingly, And other times I could tell you about months and months and months that go past where I just have to keep on going, trusting that God is working. But all the time holding fast to the last words of the whole Bible, which say this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Jesus and the Holy Spirit say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. And so would you stand wherever you are this morning if you're able. And you can do this at home as well if you're watching online. And I just want to take a moment not to rush past, but to invite the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to hype anything up. But I just want to be expectant that as we ask, he will draw near to us. And so you might want to extend your hands just as a sign of saying, Lord, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm ready. But you just, just be comfortable. Be comfortable. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.